I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we continue to go through the Gospels chronologically, and we'll be looking at uh, passages in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We'll be looking at Matthew chapter 9, beginning with verse 35, going down through chapter 10, verse 42. Mark chapter 6, verses 7 through 13. And Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Here's where we are. We'll be looking at Jesus as he's still traveling and ministering in Galilee. And there's an evangelistic mission commissioned by Jesus, which begins from the Galilee area in today's reading. And these events fall between the second and third Passover feast uh, during the course of Jesus' ministry. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus calls for an evangelism campaign. Verse 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted, and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Previously in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus has been ministering around the Sea of Galilee, and he's still in that area. The actual effort is recorded in all three synoptic gospels. We'll see that in the next section of reading. But the basis for the campaign is only recorded by Matthew in these four verses that we just looked at. The people came in great numbers to Jesus, but afterward, verse 36 says of the people, they fainted and were scattered abroad. Both fainted and scattered are perfect passive participles in their Greek form. Literally, that means that after hearing Jesus, they were caused to be faint, they were bullied, and they were caused to be scattered. Within a corrupt religious system as existed during that era, where did the people get spiritual nourishment after their encounter with Jesus? Because here's the reality. The Jewish leadership cared nothing for the people. The people were just pawns who contributed to their power base. This is the environment, and it's the basis for the evangelistic effort that follows. So, beginning with Matthew chapter 10, beginning with verse 1, Mark chapter 6, beginning with verse 7, and Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 1, we see that Jesus, in fact, organizes a visitation program. Now, this passage is key to understanding the Gospels, so let's look at it very closely. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these, the first Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, 
Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor scrip for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And to whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. And when ye come into an house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Now we look at the same occasion as reported from Mark, beginning with Mark chapter 6 and verse 7. And he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals, and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place soever ye enter into an house, there abide till ye depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when ye depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, It shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils, and anointed with oil many that were sick, and healed them. Now the same occasion, from Luke's perspective, Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. Then he called his twelve disciples together, and gave them power and authority over all devils, and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God, and to heal the sick. And he said unto them, Take nothing for your journey, neither staves nor scrip, neither bread, neither money, neither have two coats apiece. And whatsoever house ye enter into, there abide, and thence depart. And whosoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. From the verses that we just looked at, and the ones leading up to these passages, we know that Jesus is still based at this time around the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. It's from this region that Jesus sends forth his twelve apostles to minister. When Jesus sent his apostles out on this occasion, look at the very specific marching orders he gave them in verses 5 through 7 of Matthew chapter 10. He said, first of all, don't go to the Gentiles or Samaritans. That's only mentioned in Matthew chapter 10 verse 5. Then he says, go to the Israelites only. He says that in Matthew 10 6. And then thirdly, he says, preach this message. And the message is, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We find that in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, and also Luke chapter 9, verse 2. Now here's why this is important. As we've commented regarding other passages in the Gospels, Jesus came to offer the Jews the fulfillment of the messianic promises of the Old Testament prophets. These promises consisted of the kingdom of Israel restored to the earth, sovereign and worldwide. 
This kingdom would have as its head the Messiah himself, and this kingdom would last forever. However, it had also been prophesied by Isaiah and Daniel that the Jews would reject the Messiah this time around, and that he would be crucified, Isaiah chapter 53, Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Nonetheless, it was necessary that the ministry of Jesus and his apostles be made available to the Jews, this kingdom on earth. Now, only Matthew takes this occasion to name the twelve apostles. The other two writers don't name them, and we see the names there listed. We also find a listing of the twelve in two other parallel passages, but not parallel with this particular passage, but in two other parallel passages in Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 19, and Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. Look at the marching orders found in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. It says, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely have received, freely give. Is this mandate for all believers throughout all generations, or was this a special unction given to them by Jesus for this particular evangelistic effort? Mark and Luke seem to shed light on this. Mark simply says, and gave them power over unclean spirits. While Luke reports, and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. In other words, here's the question. Are we leaving something out of our evangelistic message today if we don't fulfill Matthew 10.8 when we evangelize? Well, the answer is contextually quite simple. Nobody assumes that we have been committed to the criteria of Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 7. Now, again, let me read those three verses to you. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, that being the case, the three verses that precede verse 8 would indicate to us that the healing of the sick, the cleansing of the lepers, the raising of the dead, the casting out of the devils, was something that was reserved specifically for this occasion when they went only to Jews of the lost house of Israel. Therefore, if we acknowledge that these criteria are specifically for this campaign, then it would be contextually dishonest to insist that verse 8 should be treated any differently. Because you see, context is very, very important. Oh, one more thing. A vow of poverty is a key component to this campaign, specifically stated in all three accounts as part of the mission. You don't typically see the people who proclaim that verse 8, the uh, healing of the sick and the casting out of the devils, you don't usually see the people proclaiming that verse 8 applies to all evangelism in all ages, find them also embracing this vow of poverty lifestyle. Notice Matthew chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, and Mark chapter 6, verse 11. And what if they're not well received? Can you say Sodom and Gomorrah? Look back at Genesis chapter 19 to see exactly what that context is, if you don't know already. Notice how much insight regarding this mission is gained when all three passages are studied together. When either the account of Mark or Luke is taken without the support of the other two, certain important details are 
well, quite honestly, missing. One cannot really grasp the mission without considering the details given in all three accounts by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In Matthew chapter 10, beginning with verse 16, Jesus continues his instructions to his disciples. These instructions aren't contained in Mark's account or Luke's account. Verse 16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, and for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents, and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in the city, flee ye into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light, and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household." He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth the prophet in the name of the prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Now in this passage, Jesus continues his instructions to his apostles. Mark and Luke, as I mentioned before, they don't report on these extended commissioning comments by Jesus. He makes some startling statements throughout this passage, but let's make sure we keep it in proper context. Jesus is still giving instructions to his apostles concerning their preaching the kingdom message. 
Note particularly the reference to their synagogues. We saw that up in verse 17. He carefully and thoroughly warns them that their message will not be well received. We already know how this ends, the rejection of Jesus as Messiah and his subsequent crucifixion. However, it was prophesied that this kingdom would be offered, and here it is, being offered. Now, that being the case, how do we render the warnings issued by Jesus in this passage? Are these warnings just for the apostles as they are charged here, or are they to be universally applied to all believers who proclaim the name of Jesus, then and now? Well, certainly we see that persecution was not restricted to just this era, but there is a certain urgency here with this particular commissioning. Jesus refers to the accusation against him in verse 25 that had occurred in Mark chapter 3, verse 22. It was there that Jesus was accused of performing miracles in the name of Beelzebub, regarded in that day as the chief demon, also known as Satan himself. Now, we need to realize that there's an intense discipleship call here. As we know in retrospect, the time was very limited at this point in the ministry of Jesus. When people take the discipleship call in this passage and universally apply it to all believers today, they usually find that they have to massage the words a little bit to make them palatable to what we know to be true about the priorities in one's Christian life. Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. It says, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Well, the kingdom message was divisive, ultimately leading to the crucifixion of Jesus. Now let's take a look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 35. It says, For I came to set a man at variance with his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. That verse can only be truly appreciated in light of the urgency of the hour And that kingdom message, keep in mind the kingdom message being that the kingdom of God was going to be set up on earth as was prophesied in the Old Testament. What Jesus was calling upon people to do during this time was to drop everything they were doing, disregard any family ties and close personal relationships, and immediately prepare for the fulfillment of the kingdom reign as prophesied in the Old Testament. So think of it like this. If you knew that a hurricane was headed your way and would arrive at some point in the next few days, wouldn't there be some urgent tasks to do that would overshadow family time, work, leisure, those kinds of activities? I mean, wouldn't there be? Well, certainly there would be. Well, that's the kind of urgency in these instructions from Jesus to his disciples and to his apostles on this occasion. So here Jesus is talking about drop everything else discipleship. Context is very, very important here. Many believers have understood these verses as a mandate to forsake family and friends to pursue the ministry. They lose sight of the special circumstances of this context. Now, while there are certainly lessons to be learned from this passage, a strict adherence here by believers today often leaves them with feelings of failure and inadequacy. Incidentally, This campaign by Jesus' apostles ends in Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, also seen in Mark 6, verses 30 to 32, and Luke 9, verse 10. In those verses, they report back to Jesus the results of their evangelistic efforts under this particular mandate. 
Now, let's take a look at a verse that is frequently abused by those who paint salvation as a conditional state rather than what it is, an unconditional covenant between God and the believer. Notice verse 22, it says, And he should be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Now, before you try to make this verse apply to something that it does not apply to, read the preceding verse, verse 21, to see the saved from what detail? Unquestionably here, it's physical death. It says in that verse, put to death. So to whom does the guarantee of verse 22 apply? Well, he's still, if you look at the context, he's addressing the 12 specifically regarding the house to succeed in their evangelistic campaign. Here's what Jesus tells them. Don't back off this mission because of persecution and threat of death. Keep on task and you will not be killed. In other words, you'll be saved. As a matter of fact, all of the twelve returned safe and sound after this road trip. One more point of interest in this passage. Notice the love them and leave them aspect of the command to preach here. He tells them not to stick around in verse 23. And after they've preached to a city, just leave. Don't continue to work the city, just move on. And when they go to a city, some will accept and some will reject. says that in verses 32 and 33. When you understand the context, these verses make sense, don't they? If missionaries today strictly adhere to this principle, many areas of the world would never be evangelized. One more time, let me just say it. Context, context, context. Especially when you're reading the Gospels. Make certain that you're reading every word, uh, observing the context every time within which it was written. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walton.